Welcome to MuggleCast episode 396. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. Uh, Micah. And we have one of our Slug Club members on the show this week. Hi, Jemima, down under in Australia. Hello. Hi. That's a terrible accent, but hello. I deserve that criticism. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for staying up late to speak with us. We understand it's like 1 a.m. there now in Sydney. It is. Yeah, 1 a.m. Sunday morning. Well, we appreciate you staying up late. Um, I, uh, you, you write for BuzzFeed, is that right? Yeah, I do. I work for BuzzFeed Australia. Very cool. What kind of stuff do you do for them? So I'm the lifestyle editor, so it's mainly like food and travel and health and that sort of stuff, but we're a pretty small team, so we can kind of cover entertainment and celebrity and all that sort of stuff as well, which is what I'm pretty interested in. Cool. Very cool. So, yeah. um, and you obviously are a big fan of Harry Potter. Do you ever write Harry Potter stuff for them? I do. Yeah. And kind of, there's like a couple people in the company who it's like when something big Harry Potter happens, it's like, oh, we're the people who are going to write it up. So <laughs> yeah, I'm the, uh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter correspondent for yeah. the Australia office. I hear even like online media outlets aside, I hear from people who are like, yeah, I'm the designated Harry Potter fan in the office. Even if the, it's not work-related, people just go to a certain person for Harry Potter info, you know? Well, Micah is, is that at his office, aren't you, Micah? Somebody's, uh, you were saying before the show, somebody's asking you if that oh, right. History of Magic exhibit is uh, family-friendly. Yeah. Literally, I got a text just before we sat down to record with a link to the exhibit here in New York asking me, one, if I had gone yet, which I haven't, I'm planning on going, tisk, tisk. but two, is it kid-friendly? So, yeah. <laughs> get a lot of questions like that <laughs> the short answer we decided is no it's not kid friendly right so well, it's not like they don't go out of their way to make it for for children children exactly yeah. exactly yeah. yeah so jemima let's get your phantom id in one breath please give us your favorite book movie hogwarts house ilver morning house patronus and what is your favorite line from fantastic beast the crimes of grindelwald okay favorite book is uh order of the phoenix favorite movie is Prisoner of Azkaban, even though I think it's a terrible adaptation, I think it's a great movie. Hogwarts House is Ravenclaw. Ilvermorny House is Horned Serpent. My Patronus is a horse, but just like a horse, no explanation on <laughs> its breed or anything, just a horse. Um, and Fantastic Beast line, honestly, I saw it once and it was like three weeks ago, so I can't think of a specific line. Okay. Um yeah, I would want my money back on that Patronus answer if I were you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> what am I meant to do with that? Just a horse. Yeah. It's not one you can Google because you know what a horse is. Yeah. So what did you... I can't believe that's an option. Isn't there one <laughs> right? of the films, though? Order the Phoenix, don't we see a horse Patronus? Yeah. But is it just a horse or is it a special horse? I think it might be the ghost horse that we see. And that's in Prisoner of Azkaban, Chimam's favorite movie. <laughs> but uh yeah like the horses there's like 15 different breeds of horses marsh hare you know di different styles and you just got a horse oh i know yeah. i'm playing red dead redemption i i see all the horses but um w what did you think of crimes of grindelwald jemima okay so i feel like i've gone back and forth on what i think about it um from like loving it to hating it and i think i've kind of settled on i enjoyed it and in theory, I like everything, but I feel like in practice, it didn't really work out well on screen. Okay. I just think there was like way too much crammed into it. And like, I understand that it's only the second movie in five, so we're not going to have all the answers, but it just sort of seems like 
way too much was trying to happen. I feel like it would be way better as like a series or something if this has to be on screen and it can't be a book. I feel like a like a HBO series would be a much better way of getting this across. Yeah. I I agree with that because J.K. Rowling just needed more time, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to talk about some theories today that our listeners have had regarding the film. And we also have more voicemails. But first, some news. And speaking of Crimes of Grindelwald, didn't do well on its second weekend at the domestic box office. It dropped to fourth place. It was a 52.7% drop in revenue between week one and two. It's a pretty bad drop, you guys. Like, that's not good. And I've seen some movie critics on Twitter being like, they have to seriously rethink the promotional strategy for the next movie. Um, I don't think it's worrying, though. Like, I had... (laughs) Did I mention this last week? I had one friend over, Mm. Eric, our mutual friend, Andrew, who thought, like, they might remove a movie from, from this series. But I... I don't think anything's really going to change other than the promotional stuff. I'll tell you one thing they can remove. They were doing these um, these YouTuber promotions. I don't think that's working out for them. <laughs> Maybe they should move on to something else. How about <laughs> let the podcasters promote it? <laughs> well, d- we'll save go. the day. You- Why not? Yeah, let us. <laughs> we got experience. We've been doing this 13 years, longer than Fantastic Beasts has been around. If you guys were not influencers... Nothing we say matters to people. We're gonna go see. <laughs> We're not influencers. You're right. We're just podcasters. We don't have Instagrams. We're not attractive enough to get the likes on Instagram. That is a good point, though, and not to like just shit all over influencers. But yeah, they they had a whole team of those people. Not only the first go round, which was concerning, but the second one, there was like twice as many people. Everybody met JKR. Everybody went to this set. And what good is it? This film is tanking. It's forty million dollars domestically behind where the first film was uh at the same time 14 days in so what are you gonna do i'm a bit surprised though and i know we uh we talked about this but the fact that you had dumbledore as a focal point of this film he really wasn't in a lot but the marketing material promoted him Mm. you had mcginney you had ties back to the potter series you were going to hogwarts for the first time in years so it's a little bit surprising that it didn't even hit the mark that it was anticipated to. But I think some of that could have to do with Johnny Depp uh, and the fact that his character is in the title of the film. I think some of that also could just do with the time of the year. I don't know that November is the best time to release these films. I think they probably could do a little bit better if they released in the summertime. They may be up against some more notable titles, but I just think... People are used to seeing Potter in the summertime. Yeah. It does invoke nostalgia, doesn't it? Because the books always came out in the summer, or at least the later ones did. I mean, I remember us going to, what was it, the Goblet of Fire premiere or or when it was released here in New York City. That was in November. But I'd be interested to look back at all the release dates of the films and to see how they performed. There is nostalgia, definitely with the books, as you mentioned, being in the summertime, but I, they have to try something because they they can't have another showing like this and hope to continue beyond a third movie, in my opinion. Well, they can just try making a movie that makes sense to like jet and, and can like is not closed off to even hardcore Harry Potter fans, let alone general audiences. If they just 
took out half the subplots in this movie, it would be a fine movie. I don't care which half, any half. But the, you take yeah. out four or five subplots. Eric, the problem is you're not even getting people to the theater, though. You have to figure out how to put butts in the seats. We were talking about having gone to those AMC fan events and yeah. nobody was in the theater. Yeah. 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 That would never happen for one of the, the Potter Movies. The, the marketing material was all for all of these characters all on one poster and all of these characters maybe get a five minutes a piece of screen time to them. It's just it's packed. It's overcrowded. It kind of seemed maybe like a mess to people, I would guess. But I mean, for, for me, November is Harry Potter movie month. Five out of the eight original films uh, and Fantastic Beasts d- debuted in, in, in the fall. And it would be a shame to see the series move. Like all I'm trying to say is. If their only solution to making these films more financially successful is to move them to the summer, that's like cheap, right? Like that's, that's true. It's not that won't fix everything, will it? What do you think, Jemima? I think, um, I think before the films came out, there were just quite a lot of negative reviews, and I think that probably like definitely one of the factors in the bad ticket sales. Like I know multiple people who are like casual harry potter fans who haven't gone to see this movie just based off of the reviews yeah i selfishly want them to move it to summer 2020 because i feel like they owe it to us after (laughs) that cliffhanger to give us the movie a little sooner than we're expecting we're currently expecting november 2020 um i know they carved out that date for the third movie but i don't think that you know they could very easily move it up especially if this movie is going to start filming fantastic beast 3 is going to start filming in a few months um so give it to us sooner i think that'll make fans happy because then it'll be like oh we don't have to wait as long to to find out more about this aurelius dumbledore twist and they also have the benefit of a a summer movie release agreed i would say too it, it it's just it's surprising though that that they didn't do more on the marketing side that would kind of drum up that nostalgia i you know us sitting here talking about it we're obviously going to dive into every little detail but i feel like they could have done a little bit more and and i think that begs the question who are they trying to get to come to see this film is it Mm -hmm. the potter fans who grew up with the series or are they trying to hit a new audience because if you look at the movies that it was up against when it was released or just after that it was going up against a kid's movie in in ralph breaks the internet and Creed, I, you know, I, I don't know that they're necessarily the same audience for Crimes of Grindelwald, but you know, people are going to go or Creed too. You're you're going to probably want to go see that, you know, next Rocky movie. I I don't know, but um, I'm just thinking that they they need to rethink their their marketing strategy for whatever the third film is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I do uh, have an update. I looked up who had the horse Patronus in <laughs> Order of the Phoenix. Mm. Just so you're in good company, Jemima. Ginny Weasley. Okay, I'll take that. Oh, cool. wow. And that sounds good. Speaking of Patronuses, I saw J.K. Rowling tweet earlier this week that she had some random bird that landed right outside her window while she was riding, and she had no idea what it was. And I take offense to that because it turned out I think it was a sparrowhawk. And a sparrow hawk is my Patronus. Oh, Mike, I'm so it's sorry. so forgettable. <laughs> We're going to have to uh, work this out when she finally comes on the show. It's undistinguished. Is that what you sent your Patronus to get answers from her for this movie? Well, to spy on her, clearly, Eric, but she caught me. 
It's okay. J.K. Rowling fed my Patronus to the trio in book uh, one. It's a stoat, and they mm-hmm. eat stoat sandwiches, so I'm not happy oh, with mine either. Great. Yeah. It makes you guys feel better. I doubt she sat down and wrote out all these creatures. It may have just been Pottermore's team. <laughs> yeah, definitely. She, she should have had it. They need to add a uh, office desk to the Patronus test now. And a white cloth. <laughs> yeah, that's a boggart, though, but I love it. I love oh, boggart. I'm sorry. What am I thinking? Yeah. Uh, we need a boggart test. test then, no? Yeah, right. We need a boggart test. Right. Oh, my God. Anyway, let's talk about um, one other news story. This broke right before the movie came out, so we didn't get to it until now. We've spoken about this Pokemon Go-style Harry Potter game called Harry Potter Wizards Unite. And they released the first teaser trailer for it just before the movie came out, like I said. It's now coming in 2019, which is not really a surprise because we haven't heard any news about it until uh, in mid-November. Have you guys watched this trailer? It, It shows a girl who's out and about and she encounters a snitch and she grabs it and collects it. And the website is interesting. It says that the ministry is looking for witches and wizards willing to roll up their sleeves and volunteer to save the wizarding world from the calamity. As a member of the Statute of Secrecy Secrecy Task Force, you will hone lightning-fast wand reflexes and ability to sniff out the faintest whiff of a magical disorder from afar and proficiency in advanced casting of multiple spells. So it sounds like there's been a breakout of magic across the world and it's up to us to collect all the objects to hide everything from the muggles Mm. kind of interesting Did you enlist on the website andrew i did did you not yet okay well sign up don't you want to help uh contain the calamity or or risk the worst of time since you know who according to the website (laughs) (laughs) well which you know who uh, I think Voldemort. This is a uh, post-hot Harry Potter world. It looks very modern. I, I do like the idea that um, in the trailer she casts sort of like a stupefy or like a, what? What's the one um, where the pixies stop moving right before catching the snitch? She's just like, oh, here you go. I mm-hmm. hope that's like an option, you know, much like it is in in Pokemon catching um, to bait or somehow help you, you know, give yourself an advantage to catching. Uh, yeah these items so i like many others was a big fan of pokemon go for a few months anyway so i'm I'm really excited about this i think this is going to be a big deal do you not still play pokemon go no really i play pokemon let's go pikachu for nintendo switch <laughs> oh <laughs> well I, if you decide to start up we can be friends okay i mean I i'll still send have... you yeah I, there, I can send you gifts now, you know that? Yes. Can, we can trade Pokemon. It's great. Yes, I know. They've been making advancements. They actually just announced yesterday that battling is finally coming, so maybe I'll get back into it. You should. I don't... I don't... Like, I hope the Harry Potter one is more than just collecting magical objects. Like, they should definitely include beasts in this game as well. So this wasn't... The, this isn't the one set in the 1800s, clearly. What is that no. game called? Because there was that that was just a leak. We don't know what that is yet. Oh, right. Okay. All right. See, now we talked a little bit before about promotional opportunities. You have the tie, right, with Niantic between Potter and Pokemon, right? So if around the release of Fantastic Beasts, 
what if you just included some beasts in Pokemon Go and you could advertise the movie that way oh, to stop millions it. of kids around the world who play that game every single day? You know how many Pokemon fans would be pissed that that Harry Potter creatures were coming into Pokemon? <laughs> I would be it's pissed. It's for a limited time only. <laughs> so that, would, that would ruin the the sanctity. I think it's a great marketing idea. Yeah. If okay. anybody's listening, I think they should do it. They would They would get that movie in front of way more kids than it's in front of right now that's as good of an idea as uh that's good that's as good of an idea as it was to make sprint stores official pokemon go locations Mm. anyway so um it is the holiday season right now this is our first month first episode of december and earlier this week, I spoke to Laura Sauls, the manager of entertainment creative development at Universal Orlando, to learn about what's going on at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter during Christmas time. And uh, we spoke over the phone, and here is that interview. Hi, Laura. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for uh, joining us on MuggleCast. Awesome. Thank you very much. I'm excited. Yeah. So, um... It's Christmas again at Universal Orlando, including within the Wizarding World. Can you give us an overview of what's going on there and what what might be new or different? Well, you know, we're very excited for this holiday season here at Universal Orlando, especially the um, Wizarding World of Harry Potter and how magically that that all of those properties get changed over with um, Christmas Um, in the magic of Christmas at Hogwarts Castle is is definitely a must see. Um, It happens after the night falls in in Hogsmeade Um, and then all of the beautiful magical decorations in Hogsmeade as well. As well, one of my favorites is the hot butter beer. So that's definitely <laughs> something that we can't miss, you know, this year. Uh, but of course, we've, we've got holiday decor- decorations in London and Diagon Alley and all kinds of fun new music, new holiday music in the in the Frog Choir show. Um, Celestina's got her new Christmas show that happens over in Diagon Alley. So we're just really excited to celebrate again um, the the Christmas season in our Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. So so you said new. Do you mean new as of last year, or were there some changes in terms of the songs this year? No, last year we pretty much opened all of these amazing um, holiday shows for our guests. And, you know, one of the biggest things for us is to build that tradition. That's the new thing for us this year is to build tradition. We want people to return to see these things and make all of these new holiday elements a tradition for them and their families. Yeah. So now that you've had a solid season under your belt regarding uh, the Wizarding World, Christmas in the Wizarding World, what are the elements during Christmas that you've learned people love most? I mean, honestly, when I walk over there, it's it's awe-inspiring, the, the decor. The decor is magical within itself. So I think people like that changeover from seeing Hogsmeade to what it was to seeing Hogsmeade dressed for the holidays. Um, I think it's the same in Diagon Alley and in London. Um, for me, I think the guests are blown away by the magic of Christmas at at Hogwarts Castle. For me, it's a very special show. Um, I the first time I saw it last year, I teared up a little bit. <laughs> so mm. it's just beautiful, and it's again that that thing that we're building a tradition that you want to bring your kids to, that you want to come to every holiday season. It's a must see that you come back to it. 
Absolutely. Um, I had a question about the songs that are performed in both lands. They're they're definitely one of my favorite parts of what you guys have going on during Christmas. How were those initially chosen and developed? Because especially with the songs um, over in Diagon Alley, I mean, those are completely original songs that we had never heard before. Right, right. For for our Celestina show, you know, that's one of the uh, the cool shows that we get to kind of develop with our partners in WB and and you know J.K. Rowling's group. We get to develop those together, and we have amazing composers that we bring in um, that we brought in for the first version of the Celestina show that we bring in to compose those um, songs. But again, making sure we're in line with with everything that JK started, right? And, and Celestina's right. whole, you know, her canon. So um, that's an uh, awesome opportunity that we get to create those songs for Celestina. Um, and the cast just loves performing them. You know, it's her own little, it's a, her own little Christmas special, you know? Yeah. I mean, the songs are so catchy too. It's, yeah. it's insane. <laughs> I, I was so, I was so blown away by them the first time I heard them. That's awesome. Um, Yay. You you had mentioned the holiday decor taking over both of the lands. There's lots of garland in particular, I notice, and the garland designs, they're unique to each shop. Totally. Which makes it seem like it was put together by the fictional shop owners. Was was that the goal? How did you design those? Totally. Um, again, we worked hand in hand with our partners, um, making sure that every piece of garland had that magical flair of the shop that it's in front of, had the storyline or the characteristics of the shop that it that it um d- is that it garnishes. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Every step of the way, every little piece in the garland was it was a collaboration between Universal and our partners at the at Harry Potter. There's one shop with the golden snitch in the garland. I think it's in Hogsmeade and it's my favorite. It's just perfect. (laughs) I need it for my own place. Yes. (laughs) Uh, You had also mentioned the hot butterbeer. Does I don't know if you have info to back this up, but does hot butterbeer become the most popular butterbeer during the winter months? I don't know. I think it is. That's my personal opinion. I like I like frozen butterbeer in the summer and I like hot butterbeer this holiday season. Those are my two favorites. That's what I always personally recommend. So it's definitely something that I must have every holiday season. Again, it's a tradition now for me (laughs) as soon as we open the holidays to go out there and get a first hot butterbeer as well as you know, during the summer months, I like to go to Hogsmeade and see all the snow and and wish it was cold. <laughs> right, exactly. There, there are some holiday food options there too. Is that right? Sure, sure. We have a holiday feast um, that that you can bring your family to and and share in that together. Um, and I'm I'm sure you'll find all of the traditional things that we have over in Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley that you can have all year long. Right. Um, there's also a lot of fantastic Christmas Wizarding World merchandise as well. What are the most popular items there? I have I have a stocking and an ornament uh, that I just recently put up, and I absolutely love them. And what I love about them is that they're actually unique to the theme park. You you I can't seem to find these anywhere else other than at Universal. Totally. I mean, I I Universal does have some one of a kind Wizarding World merchandise and the holiday season is no different with the ornaments um, that we have available. I have a few on my tree. I know from the very first year we opened opened the Wizarding World. So 
And so what else is going on at Universal Orlando? There's obviously some other stuff happening during Christmas time outside of the Wizarding World. Well, you know, again, we're building those traditions. We want people to come back, bring their kids. When the kids grow up, we want them to bring their kids. Um, we're building a tradition with, of course, our Grinchmas Holiday Spectacular um, in Islands of Adventure, where the Who's, as soon as you enter Islands of Adventure, you'll see Who's singing and decorating all through Seuss Island. Um, as well as you can visit the Grinch in a store over there and have a one-on-one -on -one meet and greet with him. Um, or you could come early and have a breakfast with the Who's, as well as, you know, our musical spectacular show where um, we tell the the classic story of how the Grinch stole Christmas within a musical realm. Um, so you'll get the beginning, middle and end. You'll see his heart grow three sizes and you'll feel him bring back the Christmas to the Who's. Um, so that's happening over at Islands of Adventure right next door to the Wizarding World. Um, and then at Universal Studios, we are we have our holiday parade featuring Macy's was brand new to the studios last year. Um, and we're bringing that back again to build on tradition. Um, that holiday parade features all our fun characters like Minions, Gru and Lucy, the Madagascar group, and our Shrek family. Um, and of course, we end that parade with the man himself, Santa Claus. Um, he ends the parade, he makes all of Universal snow, and he lights the beautiful tree in our New York area. That's fantastic. So when are all the holiday events running till? Um, we run till January 6th. Um, we, uh, so we, you have plenty of time to get down here <laughs> and enjoy the holidays yeah. at Universal. So yeah, every one of our holiday offerings will run through January 6th. Right. And, and you got to get the hot butterbeer while it's hot. I mean, uh, that's, you have that's to. what I want to go for. Today here in um, sunny Orlando, it is a high of 55. It's the perfect day to get your hot butterbeer. <laughs> It absolutely is. I've seen Floridians freaking out about the, the colder temperatures. So I'm sure <laughs> they're all cozying up with the hot butterbeer. Awesome. So we'll, we'll go to UniversalOrlando.com to learn more, buy tickets. Totally. And, uh, see everything you have to offer. Thank you so much, Laura. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Happy holidays. Thanks. You too. Bye. Okay. So now it is time to discuss some crimes of Grindelwald theories that we have. We wanted to focus on Aurelius Dumbledore. We have a few explanations, potential explanations for Aurelius. And then we have some other theories as well. We got these from our Patreon supporters. Um, who wants to lead this? Micah, Eric? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll try. I don't know uh, how far I'll get, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Host challenge. Just, Can you make God, sense? I hope you make it. <laughs> I hope yes, you make it through. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. But. No, I'm just saying there's so many different directions that this discussion can go off in. But uh, as you mentioned, Andrew, I think that just given that cliffhanger uh, at the end of the film, we want to talk more about Aurelius Dumbledore, and we're going to dedicate pretty much this entire episode to him. And one of the, the main theories that we've seen out there following the film is that Ariana's Obscurus is actually attached to slash living within Credence. And I pulled the quote from the script book from Grindelwald at the end of the film, uh, and it, it seems a little bit vague who he could be talking to. Uh, he says, You have suffered the most heinous of betrayals, most purposefully bestowed upon you by your own blood. 
your own flesh and blood. And just as he has celebrated your torment, your brother seeks to destroy you. And so wanted to throw the question out there. Could this be Grindelwald talking directly to the Obscurus as opposed to talking to Credence? So with the first half of that sentence, yes. The most purposely, uh, the most heinous of betrayals most purposely bestowed upon you. But then the, with the second, second, second sentence, I wouldn't really think so. Uh, and just as he celebrated your torment, Dumbledore didn't celebrate Ariana's torment. I think um, the question, uh, the, the the part, the angle of this theory that I've seen is that um, because Dumbledore has that line on the bus with Newt about if if a brother or a sister exists for Credence, they would be able to somehow take the place of the Obscurus or like remove the idea that ariana and credence were brother sister maybe like the obscurus was transferred into credence um maybe dumbledore oversaw that or something and then that would shed light on why dumbledore's like said to be celebrating the torment because like he saved ariana but we know ariana didn't make it so i don't think it necessarily tracks what do you think jemima yeah, I find this all extremely confusing. Um, but I I kind of I really do like this theory as in like somehow Ariana's Obscurus got into Credence. No idea how it would have happened, but it does kind of connect some of the dots here, I think. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if JK Rowling was doing some wordplay here with this particular line. Maybe Grindelwald is talking to both Credence and ariana within him so that first sentence he's talking to ariana and then the second sentence somehow he's talking about aurelius could albus have possibly been happy that aurelius died on the boat i mean we thought we assumed that aurelius died right because he if if the baby wasn't switched he would have died so Maybe Albus was somehow happy, oh. but that doesn't make sense. So you're thinking that possibly the the shipwreck was like a hit on his life? No, I'm not saying it was a hit. I, I'm not saying it was a hit. I'm just saying it, it could be though. Why we we don't know? Yeah, somebody hired the iceberg beast to go and crush that <laughs> ship. Dumbledore did. You know what? I don't want a younger brother. Go and well, kill him. Th- also, the second part of that statement could just be Grindelwald lying. When he's talking about ah. the fact that his brother has celebrated his torment and yeah. seeks to destroy him. Yeah. True. I think that might be Grindelwald trying to get um, Credence or whoever he is to fight against Dumbledore. I think that's him trying to rile him up and be like, hey, Dumbledore has like, treated you really badly. Maybe you should go kill him. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around is I think a lot of these theories that have credence um, with Ariana's Obscurus also are the way they are so that credence doesn't have to be an actual blood brother of Albus Dumbledore. Like it kind of because it takes a couple boxes if he just has Ariana's Obscurus. He doesn't need to be this third Dumbledore brother, this fourth sibling. Um, because he's still connected to the Dumbledores in much the same way, like if he has Ariana's Obscurus inside him. So I think I, I used to see theories uh, when this film first came out about it, 
be you know them being connected through the obscurus versus actually being related but now this theory and i think some of these others we're going to get to have to do with like both like not only are they real brother and sister but he's also got her obscurus and i don't know that that necessarily works Mm. for me but where would that latching on have occurred that that's my question is let's say credence isn't a direct relation to the dumbledores we're presuming that Ariana is killed in in the battle between Dumbledore and Grindelwald earlier on, but some something would have had to have happened. Credence would have had to have been very very close to this scene when it happened for the Obscurus to t- attach itself to him. Well, we know that like well in the first movie, how Newt had the Obscurus that he just did, did, detached from the girl in Africa or wherever it was. And so we know that they can kind of live on their own without a host in a little bubble. So it's like maybe the Obscurus was extracted from Ariana and then kept under wraps or whatever by Dumbledore and Grindelwald and then somehow it escaped and latched onto Credence. I don't know. I think it would have killed Credence, um, if not intentionally, by mistake. I mean, it's a massive massive magical this is the reason that children don't live past 11 or 12 when they are not 11 or 12 but they don't live very long not as long as credence does with the obscurus is because it's so powerful and it destroys them um so i don't think an inexperienced child credence would have been able to handle even though he's a, a dumbledore and their blood is stronger than others or whatever it's sort of like a star wars skywalker thing going on right here but it just kind of for me doesn't work like i think it's perfectly explainable that credence's obscurus developed because he was in this shitty orphanage where they didn't allow magic i think it makes perfect sense that he would just develop an obscurus of of his own if he didn't i don't know how ariana's obscurus found him and it i don't think it would have been very gentle with him because it's a this destructive force yeah this is a good point i mean movie one really taught us that Credence dis- developed an, an Obscurus on his own. We shouldn't forget that when debating whether Ariana's Obscurus lives on inside Credence, unless Obscuruses can merge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing the Harry Voldemort uh, face melt. Yeah. Oh, goes. God. Oh, God. Please don't do that again, David Yates. <laughs> I think that leads well, though, into the, into the next point here where Dumbledore is talking, you know, thinking back to movie one and the fact that Grindelwald goes to New York as Graves to try and track down this Obscurus. Dumbledore, at the same time, has sent Newt there under false pretenses, as we learn in this movie. So clearly, they're both trying to track down the same person, the same Obscurus. So that's why I'm I'm a little bit uh, wary of what he says to Newt. He he says wherever credence is in Paris, he's either in danger or a danger to others. We may not know yet who he is, but he needs to be found. Now, is this classic lying Dumbledore, where you know, thinking back to all the BS he threw Harry's way, where he knows more than he's leading on? Yeah, I think so. I think that's like you can't you can't have a movie with Dumbledore in it without him like playing us. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is also sort of, I I think I saw a comment over the last week, it was an interview with David Heyman, but 
this is Dumbledore becoming that guy who eventually has to lie to Harry all the time. So maybe he is not being completely manipulative or lying. Like, I don't know. I, I want to believe in Jude Law's Dumbledore that he's at least maybe partially telling the truth mm-hmm. or not lying constantly. If he's lying his face off, then that's fine. But there's also not much room for him to grow into that character that lies his face off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he explicitly says we may not know who he is yet. Yeah. But he needs to be found. But does the movie give you any indication that Dumbledore does, in fact, know who Credence is? Because uh, I know Grindelwald suggests it, but Grindelwald could be lying. No, not really. To me, this could also be Dumbledore just realizing that in this moment, he doesn't have time to explain this whole situation to Newt. Because they are kind of on the run in the scene. They're avoiding people noticing him. Uh, He brings down that fog. So he just doesn't have time to explain it all. And I think from a moviegoer perspective, it makes sense that J.K. Rowling isn't ready to dump all this info on us. Yeah. But there's no way that Dumbledore doesn't know that he has a brother. Right. right. And, and Grindelwald does. That, that just, to me, that's way too much of a stretch. I agree. Well, I mean, Grin- Grindelwald could be making it up. The the thing with uh, Dumbledore and Lita, this, the very lovely scene in this movie, um, you know, didn't mention a th- brother at all. He talked about losing a sister. Maybe that was all he had. So, mm-hmm. well, here's a comment on Patreon, uh, people listening live from Katie Hiley. Uh, she says, interestingly, I'm not even 100% certain that Ariana had an Obscurus anymore. Joe never actually stated that. We're assuming it based on tweet likes. It's true, but it makes sense. This is somebody who had to suppress her magic, and we know that Fantastic Beasts is a story about Dumbledore and, and Grindelwald. And why did Dumbledore and Grindelwald fight? I mean, a lot of this comes down to Ariana, and I think it would be... J.K. Rowling would be missing a huge opportunity if uh, Ariana was not an Obscurus. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, Katie's right. We are only we're only thinking that this could be legit because of the fact that J.K. Rowling had liked to tweet when somebody was like, "Is Ariana an Obscurus?" <laughs> and Eric, we also had another comment from Jessa Hay. Yeah, this is uh, going directly about what we were talking about regarding Grindelwald and Dumbledore. If Grindelwald knew about Ariana's Obscurus being in Credence from the battle between him and Dumbledore where Ariana died, he may have been interested in finding the Obscurus again. This would make Credence not an actual Dumbledore per se, but Grindelwald views him as a Dumbledore because of the same Obscurus that was in Ariana. Credit to Dylan Kickman from Elite Daily. So other people are talking about kind of Creedence not a brother, but the Obscurus is Ariana's, so he's kind of like a Dumbledore. Hey, man, when you got an Obscurus, it's a brotherhood, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're part of the club. You're part I mean, of the group yeah, of people Dobby. who get it. It's just uh, what I didn't include in the doc here, but there are plenty of people screaming about how the math and the timeline does not add up. And Kendra Dumbledore... Uh, was I think I think there were eight years difference between when her husband was jailed and when she would have given birth to Credence uh, and Ariana herself would have been like way older than Credence and younger than Albus and things. This whole McGonagall thing that's going on in the movie makes me lose confidence that any dates in this film are actionable and that we can actually use dates to inform our theories. 
So I'm just lost when it comes to like, could Ariana have even been Credence's mother or sister or, you know, I, I don't I don't know how it all works. I've been thinking about something and I want everyone's opinion on this. When we were reading the Harry Potter books, we obviously had a lot of questions about where the story was going to go. Were we confused or were we just in the dark about what's happening in the future? Because it is the problem that we have forgotten what it's like to speculate over J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. No. No, I think I, it's different. I don't know. I, I'll, I'm going to disagree. I, I think really? I think we we were asking these same types of questions before the final book came out. We had a lot of questions. Well, and I think once the movie series is complete, we're going to look back on this movie and be like, oh, OK, this happened to lead to that. I, I just don't think it'll be this bad once we see the full series <laughs> the, the key difference though is you had actual text to reference you had you know when you're looking at deathly hallows and thinking about what's going to happen and theorizing you have six books of material to base it on with these films you don't have an entire story to look back on to be able to theorize about and and to be able to provide a little bit more context to what's going on I think that's that's the biggest difference. Like that said, if we would have started this podcast right around the time Sorcerer's Stone was released, then yeah, maybe we would be in a little bit of a similar situation. But right. I, I, however, I think it's it's all about the writing, and and J.K. Rowling does an amazing job in in writing the Potter series and leaving clues along the way. I think it's it's similar here, but the difference is you only have two and a half hours of material to work with as opposed to an a four hundred page book. I'm just I'm just uh coming to peace with the situation with being so in the dark on so many questions. Mm. It just it just reminds me of the books, what we were doing <sighs> with the books. And yeah, like you mentioned Sorcerer's Stone. Imagine if we were, you know, had Mugglecast when Chamber of Secrets came out. We wouldn't have much to work with there. <laughs> but but in the books there's this very real commitment to not contradicting previous information it's true we were in the dark we were very 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 in the dark but it was all leading to something it was all building to something that seemed consistent there are so many things in the second film that wouldn't even that don't even track with the first film in the series character motivations and there's just no real coherence and, and there's no guarantee it doesn't it really doesn't seem like jk rowling is paying any attention to not only to what she's written in the harry potter books before i'm not the kind of person who complains about these films not stacking up with harry potter but it doesn't even stack up with fantastic piece one in my opinion so it's it's very very messy and additionally films or books should all stand on their own they should have the ability to stand on their own this film does not it doesn't it's it's in between movies and this this film is just a an astronomical failure on a bunch of levels that I think our confusion is not at all the same as what it used to be when we were between books. Okay. All right. I just wanted to I push back. The other question though, to go off of what you said, Andrew is should we be even trying to draw the threads between this series and the Potter films, or should we just let it exist on its own? No, I think, I think we should um, connect it to Harry Potter. Absolutely. I mean, what's the fun in all this if it's if it's not? And I I think J.K. Rowling feels that way as well. But doesn't that bring more pain and suffering? (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, no, uh, not for me. Anyway, I'm yeah. I'm okay with everything right now. I don't, maybe I'm yeah. just in a good mood this morning. December, the holidays, uh, coffee, coffee. Yeah, I need more. By the way, anyway, what's this next theory? Uh, Eric kind of alluded to this already. That uh, another big theory out there is that Aurelius is Ariana's twin, and referencing the quote from Dumbledore. He says in this film, I know this, an Obscurus grows in the absence of love as a dark twin and only friend. If Credence has a real brother or sister out there who can take its place, he might yet be saved. And I ask the question, why does it have to be a brother or a sister that replaces the Obscurus? Why couldn't it be a, a close friend or, or a love interest? That is a good question. Maybe Dumbledore said that because... It's true that Aurelius is really Albus's brother. That, and he the, would almost have to sacrifice himself. Right. It's it's foreshadowing. It's I mean, I, I don't know. I that seems like good confirmation to me that what what Grindelwald is saying is true. But you know, if Dumbledore was really his brother, he could just go find Credence himself and then be like, Hey buddy, I love you and then the Obscurus would go away, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe what Albus is also saying here is that the lifelong bond of a brother or sister is more powerful than that of a love interest or a friend, which isn't lifelong. I mean, a brother and sister is forever. Uh, Nagini might not be. Nagini, I don't even really consider a love interest. At least that's wasn't really getting that vibe in the film. <clears throat> oh, she's a close close confidant maybe dumbledore saying blood just a blood relationship yeah either that or he's saying brother because that's what the prophecy says like as far as the 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 little strange prophecy that newt is going off of is like talking about a sibling connection so dumbledore's just using that to as an example maybe there's more than just you know maybe you don't need to be a blood brother to help somebody out of an obscurus it's weird because we're working with different understandings of what the obscurus is and how common they are in the first film nobody in america was willing to believe that an obscurus could even exist because it had been centuries Mm -hmm. since they had seen one meanwhile newt (laughs) saved a girl in tibet or tried to just the other week and dumbledore's little sister had one and everybody's got one in the uk (laughs) they're all the rage I think the key word there is real, as in real brother or sister. It's J.K. Rowling is not one to include words for the sake of including words. And the fact that it says real brother, that just stood out to me. Yeah. I think it answers your question, your original question. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Jemima? Yeah, I'm just looking at this quote and it just feels like... um... You can kind of really tell that Dumbledore feels guilty for like not being that real brother for Ariana. Like he really feels like it's his fault that her obscurial her obscurus got so out of hand. But yeah. I just can't buy into the idea that there was a whole nother brother that we never heard about that was there the whole time or that, you know, Dumbledore knew about. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's relates to the questions we asked next here. I mean, and they are they're funny questions to ask. Why have we never never heard of this Aurelius Dumbledore? Why did Rita Skeeter never report 
on Aurelius in the Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore. Which, by the way, I have that art from Mina Lima of that oh. book cover. I I love it, and now it feels relevant again because Dumbledore is such a mystery. <laughs> I'm so- searching for clues. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the book cover. I can't re- look. Look for the Oni Oni hidden in the <laughs> in the back. Oh my God! Credence Barebone is on the cover. Very small. It's been true all along. I will say it doesn't bode well for Credence. That's maybe the biggest yes. thing about it is that we've never heard about this guy before. And that's why the first thing I tweeted after seeing this movie was poor Dumbledore, because that means he loses a sister and a brother. There's no way he's still alive by the time we get to the Harry Potter series. He has to die by the end of the series. Maybe he's living in the same place where um, Saul Goodman is from better from Breaking Bad, just incognito. <laughs> And think about it, like we've we've been saying, well, we're going to lose characters along the way. It's not going to be Dumbledore. It's not going to be Newt. It's not going to be um, Grindelwald. Could be Jacob. That would be really sad. Yeah. It's highly likely it's going to be Credence as well. Yeah. You know, wouldn't it be funny if it was Dumbledore, though? <laughs> just... Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Uh, we would all quit the fandom. Mugglecast would be over if she... <laughs> killed albus we, we couldn't JK go on Rowling's just like yeah yeah actually he dies now <laughs> oh wait he lives through harry potter damn i forgot about that <laughs> she's not checking her work nobody's keeping her in check <laughs> bring back the woman who was stealing all of her stuff <laughs> but um yeah it, it is it is that is one of the biggest questions why have we never heard about aurelius before but as I brought up on an episode or two ago, the Dumbledore family has always been a mystery. So it it does make sense that we haven't heard of him before. Maybe. But Rita's work seemed pretty extensive in Deathly Hallows. D- despite her reputation, she got a lot of stuff right. Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing, though, guys. I, I, I am certain that Aurelius Dumbledore did not exist before J.K. Rowling started writing the Fantastic Beast film series. No way. There's no way this has been in J.K. Rowling's head all this time. No, I don't think any of these, any of this movie was in her head. I know that she says that it was, but I don't know. Well, I think the larger parts of the, well, I guess I can't say the larger parts because then that means that uh, this goes against what I just said, but I think the Dumbledore Grindelwald battle and some of the elements of that have always been in J.K. Rowling's head. Yeah, and maybe sure. parts of Newt's journey. Yeah, not Nagini, not Nagini. No, no way. That was what <laughs> she said. Was twenty years in her head. Oh, that's 20. true. I just do not believe that at all. Like, come on, as if like there wouldn't be hints dropped about it in the series that we would have picked up on. Well, her I guess- name. I think her name is literally means Snake Woman. And I, about that. I guess one other question is, if the Harry Potter encyclopedia had ever been published, would info like this be in there? Yeah. And maybe, this is a crackpot theory of sorts, maybe, because we know J.K. Rowling was writing the encyclopedia for a time. She she said as much on her website. Yeah. Maybe she was looking at this while writing and being like, I have all this wild info. I can't just drop this all in a book. I need to tell this story in a in a bigger format yeah i don't know and i happened to uh watch an interview it was like a couple weeks ago with her and steve clovis it was it was following the release of of the last 
film and she talks a lot about Dumbledore in that interview and and how she enjoys writing him so it's not surprising that she is now really written in an entire new series which is focused on him I know Newt is is the central character but I think a lot of this has been in her head for quite some time and now she's just getting it out on paper on screen and and I'm confident that she's going to connect all these threads and and we'll we'll sort of see the light once the final film is is released but to me it all goes back to what happened in Godric's Hollow like once we get inside of that house and see what happened I think that a lot of these questions will be answered totally agree I hope so uh the the other question about the the twin situation was why would he have been shipped off to America? Mm-hmm. Th- th- this is a big question because the likelihood of him having presented with an Obscurus, like let's say that Ariana and Aurelius, they're twins, they're born, and all of a sudden Aurelius gets taken and he's put on that ship because he's what, maybe a couple months old yeah. at that time? So it, it had to be literally a few months at the most after he's born and he's put on this ship to America. Is it to protect him in some way? Who is he being protected from? A lot of questions. Yeah. You would think it's going to be something tragic because a lot of the Dumbledore, the the history of the Dumbledores is tragic. Mm -hmm. Mm. And furthermore, what are the chances of, of having two children who are obscurials and, is it because the two of them were separated that this happened in the first place? Mm. I think a couple months old is way too young to even have an Obscurus inside you. Right. But what I'm saying is, is because you separated these two twins at birth, is that automatically causing the Obscurus to form down the line? No. Because these t- no, I don't think so. Because didn't Credence's obscurus form because of how he was being treated over in America? Well, very yeah, very specifically, an obscurus comes, as far as I know, comes from your. It's that magical ability that you have inside you that isn't getting used. You're not permitting yourself to use your magic, and so it turns inward and gets crazy and dark. That's what Newt says in movie one, anyway. Yeah. No matter what theory ends up being true. We're going to need to know why the hell Credence was on a boat <laughs> yeah. heading to America. Oh, yeah. And the script book calls it's his aunt. It's Credence's aunt is the woman that um, mm-hmm. is carrying him. She's identified as being that. So if it's Dumbledore, if Credence is a Dumbledore, then that's Dumbledore's aunt or, mm-hmm. you know, cousin or whoever. So let's talk about this Corvus one. I know Micah loves Corvus. <laughs> Sure. Uh, <laughs> you always talk about the Corvuses. That's why I say the that. Corvus. <laughs> Corvi. Yeah, there's like eight. Yeah. There's eight of them, yeah. Uh, because it directly ties uh, into my guy Yusuf. That's why. <laughs> no, so to me, this is still the most plausible theory out there. Um, I'm holding on to this one for right now. Okay. With maybe some, some of the other pieces that we spoke about mixed into the equation. Uh I still think that it's a strong likelihood that Credence is a Lestrange. Um, the, the main thought behind that is that we know that both Abernathy and, and Rosier go into 
the French ministry to get that book mm. uh, that details out the the family's lineage and bring it over to the mausoleum. The, the main point is by doing that, they get all the characters into one place. However, are we to think that they didn't tamper with it in some way? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know what they would have to gain from tampering with it, though. Well, Lita already seems to have a high degree of knowledge about her own family tree or history. Um, If there were egregious changes, I think she maybe would have noticed it. But the case can also be made that she's distracted at that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, The more interesting thing is that Grimson killed Irma. That bothers me the most. uh, That they had to sort of silence this older woman who would have been able to presumably interfere with whatever their plan is. That bothers me the most because maybe she could have identified whether Credence really was Corvus or this other boy. Like if Irma and Lita ever met, they could talk about the switcheroo and if that, you know, was a thing. But it all probably happened so fast. I'm just not sure why they killed Irma. Um, Well, that would prevent Credence from getting the true answers if, you know, did Grindelwald direct him to kill Irma? I can't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so that could be evidence that Grindelwald is lying, because if Grindelwald's lying, you know, at the end of the movie, he doesn't want Credence going back to Irma, who he just met, and being like, hey, what's the truth here? Yeah, yeah, the whole reason Grimson was, uh, had to get himself assigned to track Credence was so that they could guide Credence to this woman and then kill her and claim it was a mistake. What is my truth, Irma? I want to know who I am. <laughs> you know what's funny? We thought Irma was going to be with um, Nicholas Flamel yeah. in some fashion because of how they were positioned together on the poster. They had no interactions. Yeah, where's Flamel's wife? I want to know. She's just chilling upstairs, I guess. Jacob already searched up there, but I guess he missed these two people. Uh, we're just <laughs> there the whole time. Yeah, but uh, Nicholas Flamel is happily married to another uh, older, uh, well, I guess she's only like five years younger than him, um, woman named Paranel, I think. Nell. Yeah. And what's this final theory? There's um, just, well, just going back to this Corbus Lestrange, I, I know we've talked about it a lot um, on other episodes, but it is worth reiterating the fact that the Lestrange family line continues in some way. So... Corvus can't be the last living member of the Lestrange male bloodline. It would it would be impossible. Right. Mm-hmm. So either that's a big plot hole that needs to somehow be filled, or something that happened in this film isn't what it appears to be, which is probably more likely. Also, the bit about Yusuf, right? He made an unbreakable vow with his father that he would extinguish the Lestrange family line, and yet he still seems to be beholden to this vow in mm-hmm. some way. I don't know how you're alerted to the fact that the vow is no longer valid, but if this kid had in fact died, let's say 20 or so years prior, then you would think that Yusuf would not need to be on this manhunt. Also, why the hell would you take that much time to give that much backstory about the Lestranges if it's all irrelevant? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> The Lestrange name is too important for this to have been a plot hole. J.K. Rowling has this area mapped out perfectly. 
I, I also speaking of the strange name, because I happened to see this, I forget if it was in the Facebook group or over on Patreon. Why did Lita end up at Hogwarts? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a it's a big question. She was born in France, spent her childhood there under the Lestrange daddy, and then moved to America when she was young. <laughs> Maybe she wanted to go to Hogwarts, like many of us. Oh. Mm. But she but why not go to uh Bobaton? No, but well oh. yeah. Or Bobaton, the French wizarding school. Mm. Because Hogwarts is the coolest. That's another clue. Why did her family move to England? <laughs> to live in Godric's Hollow next to Dumbledore. <laughs> Probably. Um, so here, here's a theory that I just love um, with very little evidence, but it's pretty cool. Um, Claire, Claire on our Facebook group. Hope I'm saying that right. Questions whether Credence is Ariana. Uh, here's a theory. She said, I don't know exactly how it would all fit together. But Ariana's name means silver in Welsh, and Aurelius means gold in Latin. Dumbledore and Flamel were both known to have worked on alchemy together, e.g. turning base metals into gold. Dot, 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 dot. So the theory that Ariana, whose name means silver, and Credence, whose name means gold, that Ariana was somehow transformed into Credence. Um, this also works with the Obscurus theory that just, you know, Ariana's Obscurus is now in Credence. But if Ariana is somehow still alive as Credence, that would be very interesting twisty for me, I think. What about you guys? Yeah. And it certainly helps explain why Flamel is in this movie. Yeah. Oh. It would also mean there's no extra Dumbledore sibling. It's just that Ariana is now a brother. Hmm. Instead of a sister. Very progressive. It's an interesting theory that I'm interested in finding more evidence for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the theory that you have further down here from Tiare mm-hmm. is, is another real possibility. Mm-hmm. And I think would probably blow a lot of people's minds if it ends up being true. So let's yeah. talk about that. Uh, so Tiara said my boyfriend has seen the hp movies a few times because his mom loves hp but he has not read the books after we saw crimes of grindelwald he told me that he thinks dumbledore and grindelwald didn't just combine their blood to make a blood pack but they somehow magically combined their blood to make credence (laughs) how two men could make a baby with magic and how they would put it into a woman's womb i hope with her consent i don't know but this could explain how a person related to Dumbledore came into existence without anyone knowing. Talk about progressive. Life <laughs> <laughs> on progressive. Well, we do see this blood pack object object kind of mm. come into existence out of nowhere. So maybe a human can too. Why the hell not? Yeah, I love this. It's Man. crazy. I have no idea how it would work, but I love it. Do you love <laughs> yeah, That's interesting that you love it. I mean, you're comfortable with with J.K. Rowling just creating humans out of blood. Yeah, well, I mean, this second film was, like, full of magic that we'd never seen before that was just like, oh, well, this is convenient. Suddenly there's a spell that can do this. Suddenly everyone can do, like, all this magic that we've never seen before. So why not two men make a baby? <laughs> yeah, from time travel powder to two men baby making. I will say it kind of reminds me of the cauldron in Goblet of Fire where Voldemort gets his body back. Um, oh yeah. You do need us. You do need a soul for that, though. 
So Credence's soul had to come from somewhere. Maybe it came from Oriana. I don't know. But uh, that's a possibility. And then the other thing is that how crazy would it be for J.K. Rowling? She shook the world 10 years ago when she announced that Dumbledore was gay. What about 10 years later when she announces that Dumbledore made a gay baby? <laughs> made, <laughs> made a baby with another man. How does that work? It's magic. Wow. Just another reason so many gays want to go into J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. <laughs> it just doesn't. I mean, I think this is interesting for the sake of speculation, but otherwise I think it would be a little hard to to believe. Yeah. And we don't know what the consequence of breaking that blood pact looks like right now. Right. I mean, could it be that it would destroy Credence? Potentially, mm-hmm. if in fact he is oh, yeah. their child. Remember also that we were discussing how it seems like, according to the script book, the screenplay, Dumbledore regrets making that blood pack. So that would mean he regrets the existence of Credence, doesn't it? Mm, potentially. Yeah, if the, if the two are limited yet yeah, or, that, or related. That would be super dark because that is a blood brother of his if we're believing this theory. Right. I do like what Claire did though, to drive kind of going into the etymology of, of the names of Aurelius and Ariana, silver and gold, you know, twins, that sort of thing. So I think there's a lot there. There's a ton of stuff to dig into. And and yeah, this is what happens. We end up with all these types of theories when uh, we have absolutely no idea what the hell is going to happen. One other theory that one of our patrons wanted to point out was, um, the McGonagall story, uh, Jackie wrote in with this. Uh, she said, Professor McGonagall's timeline is interesting. The theory article that was posted by Hypeable on the MuggleCast patron Facebook page is onto something. We all just assumed from two comments that she was born in that specific time. We never actually were, we were never actually given a true year. Yes, we have the date from Pottermore, but not the year. So Lucas was on the show a couple of weeks ago telling us what he thought of Fantastic Beasts because he saw it really early and then micah was teasing him last week very mean of you micah um but so lucas has been studying this mcgonagall birth date and the he did write a very long article for hypable citing a lot of information from pottermore which actually kind of suggests that maybe we've been too quick to assume that mcgonagall was born in 1935 and the short version of his theory is that he put together a timeline where McGonagall actually could have been born in 1889. And he believes that McGonagall didn't teach at Hogwarts um, for the number of years that we thought concurrently. So we think he, he thinks, and now I think that, McGonagall actually took a break from teaching at Hogwarts for a while. Hmm. She was uh, trying to raise baby Voldemort, clearly. <laughs> there's just there's just a few different areas on Pottermore where J.K. Rowling hints at McGonagall's age, and it suggests that McGonagall and Dumbledore were friends when um, uh, Dumbledore was teaching Tom Riddle, which would, that alone, pushes her age pushes her birthday back to earlier um, because why would Dumbledore and McGonagall be friends in the forties? 
And there's a bunch right. of other examples. We'll link to it in the show notes. But it's you know what though, I, I think I said this on a previous episode. The the McGonagall piece didn't bother me. The even if it turns out that she was born in 1935, the fact that she was in the film. That that didn't bother me as much. Did it? Did it bother you guys? It no. really bothered me. Well, I think people are just did it. Yeah, I think just because, um, I felt like they crammed a lot of like Potter references into that film, and just like being at Hogwarts was enough for me. Having McGonagall there, like thrown in in as an afterthought to like get audiences excited, was just it seemed really lazy. Like I feel like they could have you know written it well or done something else to make people um get excited rather than just throwing her in pat's been saying it could have been a different professor mm. like you know an older professor and yeah, mary thought or dip it yeah yeah just somebody you know it could it could that another professor could have been just as recognizable as mcgonagall um it doesn't really bother me too much micah i think why people are so concerned is that it just might show how J.K. Rowling is treating past canon. And that's worrying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I still think there's a, a likelihood of seeing other characters that do fit into the timeline. Um, you know, we've talked about Tom Riddle. We've talked about Hagrid. We've talked about Slughorn. There's a lot of characters, I think, I would hope, that are coming in the future that, that we're going to get a chance to see again. And I feel like we're going to see McGonagall again. Yeah. Well, yes. According to your emails. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and Rolling Rolling put her in once. It would be silly to just have a couple throwaway lines and then never see her again. Especially if Dumbledore is feeling very conflicted about what to do with Grindelwald. Um, he could be consulting McGonagall for some help. And look, some of this evidence that Luke has brought up points to, like I said, uh, Dumbledore and McGonagall talking about Tom Riddle. So they could have been talking about Grindelwald as well. Yeah. This is starting to fly in the face of chapter one of book one for me of how like McGonagall seems a little bit distant from Albus in, in that chapter where she's like, surely you don't think Dumbledore. No, you know, and, and, and she casually is like, well, everyone says you're the only one he ever feared. That's like somebody who's not your best friend, well acquainted for over 80 years saying that um, kind of stuff, because it's very basic. It seems like they don't have a close connection. If she's going to be Dumbledore's consult uh, on everything Grindelwald and eventually everything Voldemort, because she was alive the same time he was, then that's going to change. It, it, inevitably, it flies in the face of canon. To be fair, though, did did J.K. Rowling have everyone's ages worked out? Chapter one, mm. book one. Well, I mean, no. But then she eventually made it so that McGonagall wasn't born when the original stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. So it made perfect sense that she wouldn't be as acquainted with Dumbledore. But if they're peers in the 30s, that's kind of a problem then. So I, I don't know. One more theory to discuss today. Bridget McAdam. Uh, pointed to John Granger's as Queenie is a double agent theory. And Granger doesn't necessarily elaborate on how or why this theory exists. He's simply covering some deleted scenes we know exist. He did a great piece on the deleted scenes that we've seen in trailers and promotional photos and behind the scenes photos. And we do see Queenie spending some time in the ministry. And, you know, what is she doing there? John writes, 
she wasn't there just to have a meltdown in front of a clerk. Do you think she heard Abernathy in his woman's disguise and holding those and holding the Lestrange family tree book and and walking to the elevator with Rosier? Because, like I said, in the trailer, we do have the shot of Queenie in the ministry. Um, John says, hence her walk about the ministry to do surveillance only uh, this conge- congenital legilimens could do. I could totally see Queenie being a double agent. Yeah, me too. What did you make of, of Queenie, Jemima, in this movie? There's been a lot of debate about her, too, because she seemed very different from the first movie. She did, and I definitely have some issues with that. I feel like actually all of the female characters in this movie, their their one storyline was like the fact that they were in love with a man, and that was it. But that's beside the point. I feel like Queenie um, is smarter than being tricked by Grindelwald. Like, if she can read minds, I don't understand how that whole scene happened in the house with the tea and everything like that. So I can totally mm-hmm. see her, like, pretending that she doesn't have that power and pretending she's just a ditzy blonde who is being sucked over to the bad side. Yeah. I think that's a great question, though, is is Queenie essentially the Fantastic Beast version of Snape? Mm. Mm. That would be cool. Yeah. 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 And, and she, yeah. And I keep, I keep talking about from moviegoer perspectives, from a moviegoer perspective, it would be a good payoff to see Queenie. You know, she's, she's scaring us right now. She's disappointing us, but maybe in movie three or four, she's actually going to wow us. Remember that line, that comment from JK Rowling, how things seem by the end of this movie may not actually be true. Right. She said something to that effect. Because the truth was omitted from this film for runtime. No, no. Yeah. I just mean Are we Queenie's... talking about like the very last scene? I'm, I'm talking about Queenie. I'm talking about Queenie. Yeah. yeah. Not, all of it. Ultimately, it's a much better arc for the character if she's a double agent than if she's just yes. hoodwinked by Grindelwald like this. Mm-hmm. Um, after experiencing the whole Graves thing for over a year. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's so in love with Jacob that I don't see how grindelwald could convince her that muggles are bad when she's so in love with him right all right that was fun thank you to the patrons who sent in some of the more interesting crimes of grindelwald theories of course there's a lot more to be said in the weeks ahead if you have any thoughts on any of these theories or you have a theory of your own feel free to call us one nine two oh three muggle that's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three. Leave a voicemail that's roughly a minute long. We can't really play long voicemails, um, otherwise we won't have time to fit in as many voicemails as possible. Or you can email it into mugglecast at gmail dot com, or use the contact form on our website. It's time for some quizage. Last week's question: According to the Crimes of Grindelwald screenplay slash film, what is Travers' official position at the Ministry of Magic? The answer is that he is the head of magical law enforcement. Pretty big role. Pretty big, solid role for him. And he tells Dumbledore himself uh, what his role is. So fairly big moment in the movie. The winners who got the right answer, Erica. And she also says, uh, I don't trust him one bit because Travers is the surname of a future Death Eater. So there's that. The insufferable know-it-all, Valerie K. Michelle where in the world is Kevin Steck? Vaping with Dad. Count Tortellini, a.k.a. Micah. Okay. Kate, 
Yasmin Miranda. These are getting a little out of hand, I think. No, they're not. Robbie Stillman, King of Kings, Kelly Loomis, uh, and that is it. So thank you to everybody who participates. We do this over on Twitter. You've got to at reply MuggleCast as well as um, use hashtag Quizich in your answer for us to find it. Uh, next week's question is, what does Yusuf Kama mutter upon waking up while in Nicholas Flamel's house? Uh, Jacob overhears him muttering, and we see it in the film. I'm sure Micah knows the answer. Go tweet the answer now, Micah. You can be the first to correctly answer it. Big Yusuf fan. Don't want to take it away from anybody else. Good old Mr. Tentacles. By the way, speaking of trivia, the Amazon Echo is now doing Harry Potter trivia. Yeah, they just launched that like yesterday. I haven't tried it out yet, but it's like. Well, some... Do you have an Echo? I do. Well, just get it. Just well, just go go I'm, and ask it to. I mean, I will after recording. Oh, <laughs> you don't want to do it on on the air? No, well, it won't cool. pick up on the mic. It won't pick up on the mic. But... Oh, isn't it portable? No, you got to plug it in. Oh, okay. Um, uh, it's it's some sort of partnership with Audible. I saw. Huh. So, um. Jemima, thanks so much for joining us and again for staying up late. We appreciate it. No, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm like, I've been listening to you guys for like 10 years now, so I'm super excited to be on the show. That's that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your support. I just want to let all of our listeners know that uh, later this month, patrons are going to be the first to hear some big news about MuggleCast. I don't want to hype it up too much because I don't want to set like expectations too high and then everybody's let down. But <laughs> we have some exciting news. It's not an interview. I'll just say that. It's not an interview. It's it's something else regarding the show. And uh, patrons are going to be the first to hear this news towards the end of December. If you pledge on Patreon, uh, you'll be able to join us live as we record each episode. You'll also receive bonus MuggleCast installments and plenty of other benefits, including our brand new movie commentary for the holiday. We did a movie commentary last weekend, and it's available now on Patreon for the holiday. We actually like really analyzed the movie at certain points. <laughs> it was like we were analyzing a Harry Potter movie. It was kind of ridiculous. but I think we broke the film. I, I liked it less after we talked about it. Oh, no. No. I know. I, I still know. love it just as much. And we've gotten some nice feedback about that, too. I was relieved because, you know, it's not a Harry Potter commentary, so didn't know how people would respond to it, but... They liked it. So there's lots of benefits over at patreon.com slash mugglecast, including uh, the chance to one day co-host the show like Jemima did today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm uh, Micah. And I'm Jemima. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.